Uh, so we're going through and we're looking at Northridge key values. Um, I'm just looking back at the screen because my screen up here is uh, black and I know I had color and you got color, so that's okay. Um, so Northridge key values, I'm going to go through and review as your notes are getting handed out. Uh, we start out by looking at the vision of the church for over two weeks. Uh, the vision of the church was looking at the purpose of Northridge Baptist Church. What are we here to do as a church? What does God want us to be? What does God want us to do? Uh, I think in the most basic sense of what God wants us to do as a church is uh, to glorify God. And we looked at 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And to exalt Jesus Christ. We looked at Philippians 2.9-11. Uh, by making disciples and by equipping believers. Um, and as we looked at that, we looked at making disciples... And we looked at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And we said making disciples in that passage was the primary command, making disciples, making learners, uh, making followers of Christ. And we said that was done by three things. We looked at the participles that were in that passage by going, uh, going by proclaiming the message of salvation both in our worship services and as individuals. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Uh, By baptizing, by identifying new believers with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and integrating them into the, the church body. And I'm talking about integrating them into the local church body because uh, we're talking about what it means to be Northridge Baptist Church, our purpose here. And by teaching, by instructing believers in God's truth, by accurate, exegetical, and thorough teaching of the Bible. Uh, so that was one of the purposes. And then the second purpose we talked about was equipping the saints. And we looked at Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And that was uh, by having a church that's pastor-leading where pastors are leading the church by training believers. Uh, by church serving, I haven't changed this around, Jim, but we'll get this changed around here. Uh, by believers ministering to others under the Holy Spirit's leading the pastor's guidance, so we'll get that around the right way. And then by people growing, believers moving towards Christ-likeness in their personal lives and as a church body. And so that was, again, a quick review of where we've been. Uh, so that's a vision. That's what we want to be as a church, that we're glorifying God, we're exalting Jesus Christ by making disciples, by equipping believers. Um, so how do we do that? So this morning we're going to look at our mission. What our mission is, is uh, ministry aspects of Northridge Baptist Church. This is how we're going to do that. This is what our ministry is going to look at. How do we make disciples? How do we equip believers? What kind of areas are the, is this done in? And we're going to look at kind of four areas. Um, and if you look at your sheet, um, you see four points there. And I, I, I talked about these, and we're going to do this relationally. So we're going to talk about having right relationships. And that's how uh, we're going to emphasize this as a church. And so first of all, we're going to look at right relationships. And the first relationship is a relationship of God toward us. A right relationship of having a right relationship of having God, having a relationship toward us. And this is done by teaching. You'll see on your sheet, we kind of define this. And this is what's in our, our vision and purpose statement. Um, and we have this statement, teaching is focused on the study of God's word with an emphasis on who God is, what God has done and is doing and will do for us, and what God wants us to do. So looking at this right relationship of God toward us, our focus here is on knowing God and his will for, through us, for us through knowing his word, through knowing the Bible. This is 
how we're going to know God. Um, this is very important because uh, there are uh, Christian-type churches that are focused on you can know God through experience, you can know God through extra-biblical means. Uh, we would reject this. We would say that we're going to know who God is through knowing his word. God reveals himself, reveals his will for us uh, through his written word. We have the complete revelation of God through his word. And so we're going to emphasize that at this church. That everything that we need to know, everything that is possible to know of God, is revealed in his word. Uh, so we're going to focus on knowing God. And how are we going to know this? We're going to know it completely. And completely here, um, we seek to teach the whole counsel of God. Now, one of the things that we're doing, and uh, if you notice this if you're here, is that uh, a lot of the teaching in the morning service you'll see is out of the New Testament. Uh, Pastor Strobe right now is teaching out of Acts. Pastor Kevin uh, was teaching out of Luke and then out of Acts when he was here. Our Sunday school, we've been teaching out of what? The Old Testament. So we're teaching out of different parts of the Word of God. Pastor Jim is teaching out of all parts of the Bible. He's been in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're teaching completely out of the whole counsel of God. Uh, if you look at uh, the verse I put in there, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 this is an interesting passage. If you study in the Greek, um, if you go back a couple of verses, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, uh, he's talking to Timothy, the, the scripture that you've known from your youth. He uses a word for scripture there in verse uh, 14, I believe. Um, that's a different word than this verse, the word in verse 16. And he's talking about the scripture you know from your youth. He's using the uh, word writings. Uh, that it seems to be talking about the Old Testament. But here he uses a different word, a scripture. Uh, he seems to be talking about the full scripture, the, the Old and New Testament. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Of course, we know the word inspiration here is the word that means God breathed. It comes from the mouth of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And notice here, it's all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Therefore, all scripture is profitable. Now, is all scripture given directly to us as a church? Yes and no. I mean, we have the whole Bible to use, but um, and I'll give for, for instance, uh, there was one author who wrote um, that his church was out looking for a place for them to build a church, and uh, they found a piece of land they wanted, and the people weren't going to sell to them, so uh, what they did is they found a verse in the Old Testament where it said that every piece of land that you walk upon, I will give it to you. And so they took off their socks and shoes, and went on and walked on the piece of land and claimed that promise from God. Well, unfortunately, the, what, that promise was given to Israel, not to the church, and not specifically to that church. And so I think they uh, misrepresented the word of God and, and took that promise out of context. And that didn't really apply to them. So yes and no, we, we have to take the word of God in context. Now, can we learn from that? Can we learn about God from that passage? Yes, and in 1 Corinthians, God talks about that, uh, that 
the, the, the stories that we have about Israel and what they went through as in the Exodus, those were given for our reproof, for our correction, right? That God gave that to us so that we would learn not to sin like Israel, not to complain like Israel, not to grumble against God like Israel did. So even the Old Testament stories are there so that we can learn about God and how to respond correctly to God. So the Old Testament is there for us, but the New Testament is given directly to us, so um, things that are in the New Testament are directly applicable to us as a church, where the Old Testament maybe not always as much so, but it's still there for our profit. All Scripture is profitable. And, of course, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, doctrine for tell us what's right, reproof to tell us what's wrong, correction for making the wrong right, and for instruction in righteousness for keeping that right right that the man of God may be complete, may be, have everything you need, that you may th- be thoroughly equipped to do every good work, to do everything that God wants you to do. So we want to teach the Word of God completely. We want to teach the Word of God as everything that's in it. Now, are we going to be able to teach every part of the Word of God as a church? That's highly unlikely that we're going to teach every verse out of the Word of God in our lifetime. It's just, there's just too much there, right? That's unlikely. I don't know that any church has ever taught everything out of the Word of God ever in someone's lifetime. Maybe it's possible, but probably not going to happen. But we're going to do our best to teach what the Word of God teaches completely. So a right relationship, God towards us. We're also going to teach the Word of God truthfully. And what I mean by this, we teach the Bible as the tr- true and complete Word of God. Um, nowadays, I, I don't know if, how much you all are familiar with this term, but postmodernism. Postmodernism is kind of the concept that rules the day. Um, there is no absolute truth. What's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. And you can't tell me what's my truth. Um, I, I live by what I feel is true, and you live by what you feel is true. Of course, unless you're a Christian, then you can't live by what you feel is true, because that's just wrong. Um, that seems to be what rules the day. We believe that the Word of God is the ultimate source of truth. Jesus says, and this is in his high priestly prayer in John 17, he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. We have the source of truth. It means if I want to know what is true, I go to the Word of God. If I want to know if it's okay to tell a little white lie, I go to the Word of God, and the Word of God tells me that lying is sin, and I know that that's the truth. That telling a little white lie to spare someone's feeling is wrong because that's sin before God. And that's the truth. There's no situation where telling a lie would be right. And I can go and, and find out this is what the truth is. So we treat the word that the Bible is the truth and the complete word of God. We treat, teach the word of God authoritatively. We teach that the Bible is the final authority in all aspects of our life. Uh, that means the Bible has the... I'm trying to not use the same word in the definition, Right? The Bible has the right to tell us what to do in our life. The Bible has the right to say, this is the way you need to act in this situation. This is the way you need to think. This is the attitude you need to have. The Bible is authoritative in our life. 
Um, the verse I picked out here is 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. You probably know this verse. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, why, why did I say this? That all his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that we need for our life, everything that we need to be godly, is in the Bible. Therefore, the Bible has the right to tell us everything we need for our life. For us to be godly people, we go to the Word of God. It has that authority in our life. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. This is the great and precious promises refers to the Word of God. That's where we find His promises to us. That through these things you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given us everything we need to be pleasing before him. Therefore, the Bible has everything we need and everything that we must have in order to live rightly before God. It has that authority in our life to tell us what we need to do to be right before God. Um, if you go to Romans chapter 6, uh, Romans chapter 6 tells us that uh, we are no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer bound by sin, but we need to make ourselves slaves to righteousness, right? How do we do that? Well, we need to be obedient to God. How are we obedient to God? Well, we need to know what God wants us to do. How do we know what God wants us to do? It's by being obedient to his word. So God's word becomes the authority in our life. We are under that authority, that God's word is the authority. And we're going to teach at this church that God's word is authoritative in our life. And what that means is, is again, if uh, somebody's living in sin, if somebody is living this lifestyle of sin, if they're not doing what's right, then we're going to come to them and say, look, the Bible says this is what you're supposed to be doing. You're not doing that. You need to fix that. You need to change that. You need to confess that before God and get that right. Not because Sean thinks that, not because Pastor Jim thinks that, not because Lynn thinks that, not because Nathan thinks that, not because... Randy thinks that, because the Word of God says that, because the Word of God is the authority. And again, if you want to go back to First or Second Timothy 3, all Scripture is breathed forth from God, is inspired of God. It comes from God's mouth. I'd like to tell you, you can do what you want to do. I'd like to not make an issue of things. My nature, Sean's nature is I don't want to be confrontational. I really don't want to make issues. I want, to, I want things to be easy. I don't like making waves. I really don't. I'd rather not do that, honestly. I'd rather things be happy between us. But if God's word says that this is the way things are supposed to be, we need to stay true to God's word. God's word is the authority. So God's word is authoritative. We're also going to teach God's word is exegetically. We teach that the Bible in its context and build our teaching from the Bible, not for forcing our own ideas upon the Bible. So we're going to teach God's word out from the Bible. We're going to study the Bible, what it says, what it means, in the context of what it is. Again, we're going through the Old Testament. A lot of times I'm talking about, as I'm teaching through First Samuel, I'm talking about the context of what's going on. 
You know, I'm not telling us as Christians that we need to go wage war on the Canadians. You know, because we're 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 the Christians and we got to go attack Canadians because you know, First Samuel, they're fighting the Philistines. God wanted them to kill the Philistines. That's a different context. You know, Israel is different than the church. There's a context there. I know that's a ridiculous example. I, I don't have anything against Canadians. Canadians are nice people, I guess. You were up there. They're nice people. They're not, I don't know. I don't know much about Canadians. I've been up there three times. I've been up in Canada three times. I don't know a whole lot about Canadians, but I, I guess they're nice. Uh, so we teach the Bible in this context and build our teaching from the Bible, not forcing our own ideas upon the Bible. Second uh, Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture, no prophecy of Scripture, again, this is prophecy of Scripture here. This is not what we think of as prophecy like prophets. This is, uh, this is men receiving Scripture from God. No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, of any private, uh, they didn't come up with this on their own. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is not man's idea. This is not, a lot of uh, liberal theologians will argue that the Bible is 20 centuries old. This is a different culture. These were men's ideas. They're nice ideas, but culture's different now. A lot of it doesn't apply anymore. We have to take it in the context of the culture, and we, we, we can change it around and and, and there's some good ideas about love and stuff like that, but it doesn't. No, the Bible is God's idea. This didn't come from men. This is not men's idea. This is God's idea. Because it's God's idea, we take Scripture as that. We don't try to fix Scripture. We don't try to culturally uh, uh, assimilate the Scriptures. We take this as God's idea, and we're going to teach it as God's idea. And so we're going to be exegetical. We're going to dig into the Scripture. We're going to look at what Scripture says in the context of the Scripture. And we're going to say this is God's word. We're going to teach that. We're not going to force our ideas upon it. We're going to see what God says and teach what God says. And we're going to teach scripture as personally. We desire that the teaching of the word of God change the life of those who experience it. We focus on discipling believers through formal, organized services, fellowships, and other events, as well as personal training, discipleship, and counseling. And so the idea is that we're not teaching the scripture just so you can know some fun facts. We're not teaching the scripture so that you know, we can have great lectures in here. As, as wonderful as Pastor Stroke's teaching has been, we're not doing it so that you can have uh, 35 minutes of some guy teaching that he's a good speaker. I love to listen to him speak. I'm glad I heard that. That enlightened me greatly. Yay. The idea is that something changes in your life. Purpose of having the fellowship in the room between the services and not just so you can have a cookie or two and some grapes. I did pay attention to what was out there. There are cookie and grapes. The purpose is so that maybe you can say, hey, you know what? I, I heard something in that sermon that really impacted me. Let me share it with you. I read something in my Bible this week that really had an impact on me. Let me share it with you. Hey, is there something I could pray for you about? Is there something going on in your life? It's, it's to have an impact on each other, to share with each other, to help grow each other. It's to have a focus around the Word of God. 
personally, we desire, look at this, we focus on discipling believers through the formal organized services, that's the morning services that we have, through fellowships. Uh, that's, that's what I'd like to see. We're having a backyard fellowship this Wednesday. I don't know if anybody's mentioned that. Weather permitting, it's on, it was on the slides. Anybody pay attention to the slides? Linda's. Yeah, it, it was on the slides, so I'm mentioning it now. Here's, a, here's the announcement time. We're having a backyard fellowship this Wednesday, weather permitting. So watch your emails. If you don't have emails, Pastor Jim will let you know somehow or some way if we cancel it. If it doesn't snow on Wednesday, we're having a backyard fellowship. If it's not raining, um, we'll, we'll, if it's cold, we'll, we'll have a big fire. Um, we tested it out. We can have a huge fire in that pit, by the way. we got some good wood to have a huge fire, so we'll, we'll get soaked up good if, you, if it's really cold. Anyway, but there, you know, yeah, it's fun to hang out. It's fun to eat food together. But we, our goal is not just for that. Our goal is to minister to each other. Our goal is to share the Word of God with each other. Our goal is to encourage one another, to build up one another through the fellowships, other events, as well as personal training and discipleship, we ought to be interacting with each other. Counseling. You know, churches here, if, if there's an issue and, and you're struggling with something, we have people that can help you. Pastor Jim can help you. Pastor Jim wants to help you. Pastor Jim spent a lifetime ministering the Word of God you know, what I'm amazed at is you can talk to Pastor Jim and, and Bible verses pop out of his head. He knows the Word of God, and he can help you if you have some issues, help you figure out how to get around it. I, I don't have as much experience as Pastor Jim, but I, I can certainly help you if you have some issues. Come to me, and we can help counsel you on some stuff. There's people in the church that can help you if you have problems and you're struggling with stuff. Come talk to us, and we can help you using the Word of God. That's the point. It's a personal thing. We want the Word of God to impact your life and grow you and make you more like Christ. This isn't a social club. This isn't a gathering to get together to just hang out and say, oh, I like these people. I want to hang out. I want to talk about how wonderful the Philadelphia Eagles are. They're not wonderful, by the way. Uh, Wait, did I say that? I'm sorry. I want to look at Psalm 19. Look at this. Uh, The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. Converting the soul. What's converting? Converting is changing, right? Um, Something converts, it changes. Converting the soul. Testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. Another word for simple is foolish. Making wise the foolish. Have you ever met a foolish person? Guess what? The word of God can make that foolish person a wise person. That's a change. That's a change in a person's life. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's the idea here. If, it, if the heart's not rejoicing, it can change that heart in a person to a heart that rejoices. The commandments of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. That's taking darkened eyes and making them enlightened, making them see. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. He ate the much fine gold, sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. So, the word of God can warn us, can keep us safe from harm. 
can change our course in life, that, that we don't have to worry about getting ourselves into trouble. We can change our whole course in life, and keeping them, there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Look at this. It cleanse me from secret faults. What can the word of God do? It can cleanse us. The word of God is meant to have an impact in your life. That's what we wanted to do at this church. And, and, and while we talk about here, you know, we want it through formal organized services, it can't just do that here. It can't just be a once a week or a twice a week thing. It has to be working throughout your life. So that's what we want. Oh, I got one more, a couple more, one more verse here. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. I shall be innocent of transgression. The word of God can change you so much that where you struggled with sin, it can change you to a person that no longer struggles with sin. Imagine that. Imagine that. God can change you into a person that has victory over sin. The Word of God can change you. It's have a personal effect on you. I'll go back to that last slide here. The right relationship, God towards us. The Word of God, we're going to teach it that the Word of God affects us completely, truthfully, authoritatively, exegetically, personally. That's number one here. Number two, right relationships, us toward God. If God toward us is teaching, us toward God, worshiping. This is our response back to God. As God teaches us, we respond back in worship. And this is a focus on recognizing God as sovereign and worthy of honor and praise. And this is kind of a very basic definition. You probably say, oh, there's a lot more to worship than that. Okay, this is very basic, yes. So what do we want to teach for worshiping? We want to worship God fully. Or worship God fully. We teach that every area of our lives should be an act of worship towards God. Uh, we get into this habit of thinking worship because we call our morning service a worship service. That worship might be when we come to church. A lot of times we, we talk about the worship being the music, and then we, we start thinking of worship as just being singing. And that's just wrong. That's not the right definition of worship. Worship is every part of our life. If you look back at that definition, I want to go back. Worship is focused on recognizing God as sovereign. What does it mean that God is sovereign? Somebody can answer. I don't have to do all the talking. This is Sunday school. He's all powerful. What else? He's in control. What else? What's that? All the glory. What else? These are all good and all right. He has all authority. That we praise him. What else? He's above all. He's He's greater than all. God is sovereign. God is first and foremost in everything. God is the focus. God is preeminent. He's sovereign. Recognizing God as sovereign. 
That's a recognizing that God is sovereign in our lives. And he's worthy. What does it mean to be worthy of something? I like uh, Pastor Strope saying uh, a one-word definition. What's a one-word definition of worthy? Deserving. That's the one I was thinking of. That's a good word. He's deserving of honor and praise. So it's not limited to us singing. Right? So a good verse is uh, Romans 12. Uh, Gabriel went to Romans 12, 3 through 7, I believe. I'm going to go back to verse 1. Um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So the word service, I'm going to start at the end of the verse, is lareia, it's service or worship. This is your reasonable worship. And what is your reasonable worship? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What happens with a sacrifice? It's consumed. You know, the sacrifice is, uh, the Hebrew would understand this very quickly. They bring the sacrifice, the sacrifice is killed, right? Very simply, the sacrifice is killed. The sacrifice puts itself, it's, it gets put to death. So you put yourself to death. And not literally, obviously, because God's not telling you to go kill yourself. But figuratively, you put yourself to death. You put your will to death. You put your desires to death. You put your wants to death. You make yourself a living sacrifice to serve God, to put him first, to put his desires first, to put his will first, to put his glory first. You present your body a living sacrifice. You make it wholly acceptable to God. This is your reasonable Worship. This is your reasonable sacrifice. This is not something above and beyond. This is not something that's like, wow, this is like the ultimate sacrifice. This is something that's just amazingly your greatest gift to God that you could do. And God's going to look on that and go, wow, that is so great that you did that, that you served God in such a way. No, this is reasonable for you. This is, this is something you should be doing as a Christian. This is something God's just expecting you to do. It's just... What's expected of you is that you give everything for God. That's worship. And that's our expected response to God. That's our response to God for all that he's done for us. Is that we worship him, that we put him first, that we focus on his sovereignty, that he's above all, that he's first, that he's foremost, that he is worthy of our honor, our praise, our glory. And then each and everything we do, each and everything we think, each and every attitude we have, that we're seeking to please and honor and glorify and worship God. That when we make decisions, we go, how can I do what God wants me to do? That when we're responding to something that happens in our life, we say to ourselves, what is going to give God the glory? What's going to please him? That's worship. So we worship God fully. We also worship God purposely. And this relates, again, to the church here. 
because I, I wrote it in terms of the church, purposely in our church services, we seek to exalt and glorify God only in our singing, our prayer, our study, and our interaction with each other. I wrote a couple things in your notes here. Our primary goal in our services is to glorify God and to exalt Jesus Christ. Where have you heard that before? Well, if you go back to the first page, the very first thing that's on there under our vision is to glorify God and to exalt Jesus Christ. That's what our vision is as a church. So how are we going to do that? Well, if that's our vision as a church, that's what our focus is going to be on, obviously, in our services. As we get up here, from the moment that we start the service, the moment Pastor Strope gets up here and, and opens up the Word of God at the beginning of the service, our goal is to glorify God and to exalt Jesus Christ. And that motivates us in the passages Pastor Strope reads when he reads the opening passage of Scripture. The songs that I pick out for the worship service, the, the teaching that, that goes on in the service. The, the prayers that people say, it ought to motivate us as we're interacting with each other in fellowship. It ought to motivate us as uh, we're talking to each other, as, as visitors come in, you know, as we're interacting with them, that we're seeking to glorify God and exalt Jesus Christ. Number two here, as the church, as the church seeks to make disciples and equip saints, this also glorifies God. Our, our, our purpose in... Uh, making disciples and equipping believers for the work of the ministry. This glorifies God. You know why? Because God tells us that's what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> it accomplishes his purpose for the church. And so as we're doing what God wants us, as we're doing what God wants us to do, we're glorifying him. Uh, it, it works together. And I'm just trying to show you that in making disciples, as we're teaching as we're baptizing, as we're sharing the gospel with people. We're worshiping him because he's commanded us to do these things. As we're, um, as we're equipping the saints, as we're working together to train people and, and doing ministry, and as, even as you know, people are vacuuming the floors or cleaning the toilets or doing the, you know, the basic stuff that has to happen to keep the church going. This glorifies God. And it's part of worship. It's part of what needs to be done. It's part of what keeps the church going. This is worship if you're doing this for God. So it's all purposeful, purposely worshiping God. Right relationship, us towards God. Third thing here. Right relationships, us towards believers. Us towards believers. I'm going to take a drink. Um, I appreciate one of the things that uh, Pastor Strope said. That I, I, I tried to look at several times already this morning. I, I think my mind's going because I'm having trouble memorizing things. Like I used to do a lot better when I was younger. Nathan memorizes things like awesomely. I hope you never lose that. I've lost a lot of that. Uh, but he's talking about grace is God's, God's present something, help, help, present something in our momentary need or something like that. Something along that lines, but I'm just struggling today, so I'm going to do some water because I think that's God's grace to give me some water while I'm talking here. So forgive me, I'm just, it's, it's been already a long day and it's only 11.35, so 
Um, we'll make it through. Um, right relationships, us towards believers. And I'm going to use a word that, again, we often misuse because when we use this word, we think uh, a, a food, meal type thing. But fellowshipping. And we, we unfortunately use this, like, let's have a fellowship. What does that mean? Well, we're going to bring in a bunch of food and eat until we're so full that we can't move around the rest of the day. Unfortunately, that's not what fellowship means biblically. Fellowshipping is our focus on building up and encouraging other believers. Where have we seen fellowship before? Well, Acts 2 talks about it. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and, and prayers. And I think all these things have to do with fellowship. They were gathered together. They were sharing things in common. Even when they were sharing the apostles' doctrine, they were fellowshipping together. Uh, another verse here, Galatians 6.10. Uh, Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are the household of faith. God wants us to be interacting and helping out one another. Let's do good to all, especially those of the household of faith, especially to other believers. We ought to be serving one another. We ought to be helping out one another. We ought to be fellowshipping with one another in a biblical sense. So how do we want to accomplish this, this right relationship? Us towards believers, by edifying one another. I talked about this uh, a bit last week, edifying, in Ephesians 4, 16. I'm not going to go over that again. But we set a goal to help each other grow like Christ through encouragement. We all know what encouragement is. This is the cheering on. This is the you're doing good, keep up the good work type idea. Admonishment, this is the kind of opposite end of the coin where it's the not so fun part. You're not doing so good. Let's get it turned around and make it right. Let's make it good. This isn't just the, the slamming like uh, you, you dumb dumb. You're doing bad. You're such a dummy. But it's, uh, hey, you're not right. Let's get it right. Let's work on getting this together. It, it, it includes telling somebody that they're not doing right, but it's helping them get it right. So it's not just negative. Um, training and church discipline. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are also doing. So comfort and edifying, we ought to be doing that. In Romans uh, 15.2, let each one of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, that we ought to be edifying one another. This is a basic thing that believers ought to be doing. We ought to be edifying, building up one another. Remember that word is a, the idea of building up a house. That, that it, it's a growth idea. We ought to be growing up one another. Uh, that Ephesians 4.16 talks about that the church is edifying itself, that we're building up each other. That's the work of the ministry, that we're growing each other. So right relationships towards believers, you ought to be edifying, and it ought to be prayerfully. And at this church, we ought to focus on prayer as an important aspect of the ministry of the church and in the lives of individuals. We want to be focused on praying for each other. We want to be focused on praying for God's will to be done in the church. We ought to be focused on praying uh, for the needs that are all around us. In First Peter chapter 4, uh, Peter writes, But the end of all things is at hand. Um, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. 
Peter wrote this 2,000 years ago. I said the end of all things is at hand. We're certainly closer to the end of all things from 2,000 years ago. I think if he said to be serious and watchful in your prayers back then, we ought to be really serious and watchful in our prayers, right? So we need to be praying. And Ephesians 6, 17 through 18, this is in the, the armor of God section. It says, take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18 says, praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So even as you're taking on the armor of God and you're getting ready to stand for your faith, God reminds us that we should be praying always with prayer, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We ought to be praying for each other. Supplication, making requests for all the saints. Praying always with all prayer. And then Jude, verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves, building, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And Jude is, again, reminding believers, be praying in the Holy Spirit. So over and over we're commanded as believers to be in prayer. It's an important part uh, of, uh, the, of having a relationship, us towards believers, to be praying for each other. Right relationships towards believers, we also have to be sacrificial in our relationships towards other believers. Uh, Pastor Strope touched on this this morning, that the early church, they were giving sacrificially towards each other. And I'm not saying go out and sell your house and give all the money to people, but there's times where you may have to give up some things to, to serve and help other people. It might not always be money, it might be time, it might be effort, it might be energy. We ought to be sacrificial uh, towards serving other people. Uh, we seek to serve others and meet each other's needs by giving our time, effort, energy, and resources as necessary to help each other grow in our faith. And I didn't put the verse in the slideshow. I'm not sure why I did not do that, but that happens sometimes. So I'm just going to read it. You have it on your sheet. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each consider the other person better than yourself. Makes it easy to be sacrificial when you're looking at the other person and saying, that person is more important than I am. I don't need to worry about what I want to do when that person's time is more important than my time. I don't need to worry about what I want to spend my money on when that person is more important than I am because... I'll gladly spend my money on that person to meet their needs. I don't need to worry about what kind of energy and effort I have to do what I want to do when that person is more important than me because I'll gladly spend my effort and energy on that person when I esteem them better than myself. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interests but also the interests of others. And the idea here is that you're putting others' interests ahead of yours. And then the next verse... Um, and I didn't put it in here, but the next verse talks about let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, not considering robbery to be equal, considered equal with God, made himself of no reputation. And it goes on to talk about how he humbled himself even to the point of death, even the death of a cross. 
So the example that you have is that Jesus Christ, who is God, who came to earth, and really what he deserved was us to fall down and worship him. What he deserved was for us to say, hey, you deserve to be the king. He went instead made himself a slave and died on the cross and suffered a humiliating death for us. And that's the mindset that we're supposed to have is that even if we deserve our time and effort and energy and money to be spent on ourselves instead of the people around us, which we don't, by the way, but even if we did deserve that, we would still humble ourselves and serve the other person around us. Because the example that we have is Christ, who actually does deserve all that, and he still humbled himself and served us by dying on the cross for us. And so that's the example that we have. And so as Christians, we need to serve each other sacrificially because Christ is our example. Let that mind be in you, which is also in Christ. That's how we're to be towards each other. Right relationships with each other. That we see the need in each other and say, I can do that because Christ would have done that. He's my example. Right relationship, us towards believers. And then the last thing here is right relationships, us towards unbelievers. And what is that? That's evangelizing. It's proclaiming the salvation message to unbelievers. I have four points on here. I think first two we do pretty well. I think the second two we need some work on. I think in the corporate world we'd call these uh, growth areas. Um, and I'm hoping that, uh, that we get some encouragement, some help from some people, and uh, maybe we can get these things fixed. But let's look at them and we'll talk about them. So right relationships to uh, us towards unbelievers that uh, we want to evangelize concisely. We teach that salvation is through faith or belief in Christ alone. And there's a number of verses I could go to to show this. Um, I just picked out one just for time's sake. Uh, I'd end up picking out one of Pastor Kevin's favorites, I know, because he would say this. Um, Romans 4, 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for him for righteousness. What do you have to do to have Righteousness. You need to believe on Jesus Christ, right? Concisely. Salvation is through faith, belief in Christ alone. Um, I, I think that we try very often and very often succeed in our services to be very clear on the gospel that we teach uh, that's through belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that's through belief in him alone that one can be saved. That There's nothing you can do. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot do anything to please God or earn his righteousness. And that apart from Christ, there's, there's no hope of being saved. I mean, we're very clear on that at this church, and I think we do that very well. So, concisely, but that's, that's our goal, is to be concise in sharing the gospel. Corporately, corporately, we teach the gospel regularly, regularly within our normal teaching times. Uh, again, I, I think that that happens in our services. 
Um, and I think this goes back to our focus on page one of our exalting of Jesus Christ. We're lifting him up. We're making him known. We're making him the focus of our services. If you're going to make him the focus of his service, you can't ignore the fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior, that he died on the cross and rose again. You can't ignore that fact. Um, and this goes back to our purpose of making disciples and, and that first point by going. Uh, the whole disciple-making process starts uh, by giving the gospel out. So corporately, we teach the gospel regularly within our normal teaching times. Now, this is, this is where I think we struggle a little bit more, um, and I think some more than others. Um, and I would say myself included, at times I have struggled with this, and uh, for some reason it's often hard individually to try to share the gospel with people. And I don't know why. We have such a good message, we have a good God, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and it's sometimes it's hard to open your mouth, right? And we just need to get better at that. So individually, we equip believers with the resources and training to accurately and faithfully share their faith. Uh, last week I talked about the evangelist. Um, I believe that in the context of the passage that uh, the evangelist is given to the church for the purpose of helping train the church to be uh, sharing the gospel. I don't think it's just that you have evangelists so they can do the work. I think the evangelists are there to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so in part the evangelist is there to equip the saints to be people who share the gospel. Uh, and so I think that... Uh, a part of the church's duty is to train individuals to be able to have opportunities to share the gospel. Uh, but part of our purpose of equipping the saints is to help them be able to share the gospel. That's why I put that in point one. And we desire that believers are actively sharing the gospel wherever God gives them opportunity. Uh, and so we have opportunities in our neighborhoods. We have opportunities at our jobs. Uh, some of you have opportunities at your school. I joke around with faith students. Uh, we have two faith students in here right now that uh, you don't normally have opportunities, but sometimes there are unsaved people that come to faith at times. Not a lot of them, but you hear of stories that some people come to faith and they get saved there uh, once in a while. So there are once in a while opportunities that are happening. Um, not regularly, but it does happen once in a while. Uh, but we have opportunities in our community. But Paul prayed for this. Paul prayed for Opportunity to share the gospel. He said, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. So Paul asked churches to pray for him for opportunities to share the mystery of the Christ, share the gospel for opportunities for an open door. I've adopted this at times. I don't pray this every time I pray, but I pray this regularly for that open door. I like that phraseology. God, give me an open door to share the gospel with my co-workers. Give me an open door to share the gospel with my neighbors. I, I, I like the open door phraseology. I, I like, I don't know, I, I like how Paul says that. But, but are you praying for the opportunities to share the gospel? Um, I think that's part of it. Obviously, we need to be better at sharing the gospel. I'm thankful. Um, if you're here on Wednesday night, and I'm going to embarrass somebody without asking him if I can embarrass him, but he brought it up on Wednesday night prayer request, so, um, and he shared it as a praise too. Uh, Ted had the opportunity to share with a guy across the street here a little bit of the gospel, and I am thankful that that happened because he was just walking out there and started talking, and he talked to Brandon, I think was his name. Brandon? 
And he just he started talking about church and shared a little bit of the gospel with him, and that was awesome. And we need more of that. And I, I don't I don't know if you were nervous. He says yes, he was a little nervous, and that's okay because that happens. You're nervous, but he just opened his mouth and did, it, and that's what we have to do: is just open our mouth and share the gospel. So individual, individually, we need to do that. And then the other thing that I, we don't do as well as we should, and Pastor Jim and I have talked about, it, and this is something we want to do more. And I think at very soon that we're just going to do this is globally. What I mean by globally, uh, we seek to promote and support worldwide missionaries who share like faith and who are faithfully reaching unbelievers around the world. And it's our desire here to be supporting global missions and an effort to proclaim the gospel. Um, this is something we did in the past and we have gotten away from doing, but we would like to begin doing again. And I think at some point in time, uh, us men are going to get together and just say, okay, we just need to start doing this again. And I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later because I think uh, Pastor Jim and I are finally going to say enough is enough. We're just going to start doing this. So uh, just so you know that it's probably on its way. And I think we're going to be encouraged by some of our steering committee friends and some of our people at Ankeny that, hey, you guys probably just should figure out something out and start doing it. So I wouldn't be surprised in the next few months if uh, we don't start supporting a missionary or two. And I'd like to do that. I think it's important. I think... uh, um, you know, Jesus talks about in uh, one of the versions of the Great Commission to go to Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And I have no plans, and not that God couldn't change those plans, but I have no plans of traveling to Africa or Asia or Antarctica. No, there's nobody in Antarctica. Um, you know, any of those places to share the gospel, only because that's not where God's put me in my life. But I think that as a church, we can still have an impact on that by supporting missionaries who are in those places. Again, not Antarctica, because there's nobody there. And uh, through missions, by supporting that, you have a part in supporting the gospel ministry to those places. So uh, we'd like to do that. Uh, That last phrase on there, that's also on our official third draft of our vision and mission statement. Northridge Baptist Church will seek to invest time, effort, energy, and resources into activities which will work towards or to fulfill these goals. Our purpose is to be strategic and effective, effectively utilizing our resources to best accomplish what we believe God wants us to accomplish as directed by Scripture. Um, and so our goal here, again, is to have a right relationship so God towards us, teaching. We want to teach the Word of God to study God's word with the emphasis on who God is, what God has done, is doing, and will do for us, and what God wants us to do. Uh, by worshiping, got a right relationship with God, us towards God, by focusing on recognizing God as sovereign and worthy of honor and praise. Uh, by fellowshipping, that's us towards believers, focusing on building up, encouraging other believers. And uh, evangelizing us towards unbelievers, proclaiming the salvation message to unbelievers. That's what we want to be doing as a church, is to be developing those right relationships in people uh, individually uh, in the context of making disciples and the context of equipping believers. And you can kind of think of them as four arrows. God towards us, down arrow, us towards God, an up arrow. And then us towards believers, a sideways arrow, and us towards unbelievers, also sideways arrow. I guess get two sideways arrows. Uh, and so 
uh, we're trying to develop those right relationships in the context of, again, making disciples and equipping believers. So, as always, uh, I know it's almost noon, but I want to give you a chance. Any thoughts, questions, concerns, anything that you'd like to add, anything you'd like to subtract, anything you'd like to clarify, or anything you'd like to have clarified? Good thing for the missions. Okay. Yes. Ed, again, Pastor Jim and I both have a missions background to some extent. Um, Pastor Jim, I, I know you have a family that has been involved in missions. Uh, at, at one point in time, I know when you were in college, you and Dory both had. Uh, desire to be in missions, and God has led you away from that. Uh, Susan and I were appointees with Baptism in Missions at one point in time, um, and we were going to Campus Bible Fellowship. God did not allow our support to come in, so he led us a different direction, and we never went to the field. Uh, so both of us have a heart for missions, and um, so we do, we do love missions. We want to support that. Uh, by the way, tonight, the, the service at Ankeny Baptist Church, 5 p.m., is going to have the uh, North American Director of Baptism and Missions as a speaker. Um, and so it's gonna be, there's going to be a mission focus, so that's going to be good. We, you're all invited to come, and we would encourage as many of you as possible and are available, please be there. Um, it's going to be very good, and we want you to be there. So don't, don't get caught up in any football games. Just, just don't even turn around. Just come to the church, okay? Um, do that. It starts at 5. Yes. Um, yeah, so, that, so please be there for that. Um, they, they're, they're excited about having us up there, so let's not disappoint them. I mean, if, if it's just Pastor Jim and I that show up, that's not going to be good. So represent well. Um, anyways, back to, back to the topic at hand. Anything else? Any other comments? If not, I'm going to assume that I'm awesome again and did a great job. And maybe I'm not, but you're going to let me assume a false thing, so no, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's close in prayer, and then I'll let you head home or wherever you're going today. Heavenly Father, we praise you, Lord, and we thank you for, again for this time in your word. We thank you for uh, the chance to discuss some of the things that are making uh, that we think makes Northridge uh, uniquely Northridge. Um, some of the things that we think are biblically true about our church. Uh, Lord, I pray you help give us wisdom as we work through these things. Help us to uh, really focus on who you want us to be, Lord, as a church, uh, as we seek to grow both uh, spiritually in our own lives and uh, grow as we reach out to our community, as we reach out to the people around us, Lord. Give us a heart for the lost. Help us to reach them with the gospel. Help us to reach them with uh, your love and your grace. Uh, Lord, uh, may we take these things to heart and uh, seek to please and honor you in all we do and say and think. Lord, we thank you for this time this morning. Uh, may our fellowship together as we leave here be uh, uh, just a sweet-smelling aroma to you, Lord. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.